everyone will be thrown down. So you've got to imagine from the disciples' point of view, they're walking out of this temple, this massive, magnificent building that was the most um, well-decorated building in all of Israel. And they're just like, they're, they're all about the building. And Jesus is saying, this building's gone. It's going to be gone. Three days, boom, out, done. Now, to give you an idea of the size of these stones, you know, our youth room is, it's, it's good size. Imagine a bunch of stones the size of our youth room built one on top of another. That's, that's a pretty, pretty intense structure. So we go, we go a little bit further. They've left the temple. They've gone up into the Mount of Olives as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Now, this is important. A lot of people just skip over this, but you've got to realize where they're sitting, they see the temple very clearly. It's definitely in their view. Picking up again, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign when they are all about to be fulfilled. At this point, I like to say they stepped on a prophecy landmine. They were not expecting the answer Jesus was going to give them. They're, they're expecting Jesus to say, you know, describe some sort of military action that's going to happen soon, they're going to, and he's going to take control now, he's describing a military action, but it's not what they're thinking of. Instead, they get a view into the end times. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. So now Jesus is about to give them things to look out for, the signs, so to speak, of, of when these things are going to happen. The first is there's going to be false Christ. They're going to come in claiming their Christ. They're going to do things, and people are going to believe them. And Jesus says, watch out for them. And then when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So again, we've got another clue. He's saying that a lot of wars are going to happen fairly rapidly. Countries are going to be fighting all over the place. There won't be any peace on the earth. And he continues, there will be earthquakes in various places and famines. The earth is, you know, right now we think of the earth as relatively stable. There's not, I mean, there's earthquakes a lot, but, you know, the, we, we don't really, we don't really feel it. You know, there's famines, but again, we're usually when there's a famine, we come out all right. But this time is going to be so bad that the earth what, what we think of stable right now is going to be completely unstable. And then he, he gives them the final clue. These are the beginning of birth pains. So Jesus has just told them, okay, these are the signs to look for. And they're the signs to something to come. And here's what's about to come. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Okay, we just got a whole bunch of information right there. To kind of simplify it, he's saying, if you're a Christian, you're going to get persecuted. 
by your friends, by your neighbors. The government's going to bring you in and interrogate you, basically, about your faith. But don't worry about, you know, don't, he's saying, don't think about, okay, what am I going to say if the government comes in or someone comes in and asks me all those questions? He says, wait for the Holy Spirit to tell you what to tell them. All right, then, then we get another, a, a little bit more of an idea of how bad it's going to get. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm in the end will be saved. So right now we got families that are literally selling out each other, selling out family members just so they can live another day. That, that's, that's not pretty at all. That's, that's pretty brutal. And if we're a Christian, people are going to hate us for it. But if you're a Christian who stands firm all the way through to the end, then you'll be saved. And then Jesus continues, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong. And then there's a little thing. Let the reader understand. So Jesus is like, before I go any further, you need to understand what this abomination that causes desolation is. The abomination that causes desolation, the, the best way to describe it is going to be something so vile and so sinful that's going to be placed in a, place, in, in a holy place, an extremely holy place. You know, uh, uh, that, that's kind of hard to imagine, um, but uh, the, to kind of give you a picture of what that would look like, Imagine being there like this massive porn stand in the middle of the temple in Jerusalem. That's how shocking this is going to be. It's going to be a spit in God's face. He says, then, the, the, uh, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning, when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. So Jesus, uh, he starts off by saying, when you see this abomination that causes desolation, you need to run. You need to get out of town. But you need to get out of town so fast that you're not going to worry about anything that you don't have on you at that moment. There's not going to be time to go back and get whatever it is that you, need to, that you feel like you need to get that's in your house or in your field or whatever. You just need to go. And then he, he, he talks about, uh, again, how bad it's going to be. The, it, we're, the earth now, what, what sticks out here is there will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world. Um. For those of you who are here who were here or have heard the when I talked about creation is when before God formed the earth it was it was formless and void. Chaos, you know, it was chaos in a very chaotic state. That's the kind of chaos that's going to be seen in the world. Basically the world's becoming undone. And then Jesus continues, if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. 
But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, meaning look, there Jesus is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. Now, that's an interesting phrase. Again, he's talking about the false Christ, but he said they're going to be, come to deceive the elect, but then he adds, if that were possible. Now, the, the, the way, it, the way like, my, my research has shown in the scholars go is what they think is basically if you're not, you know, there's a Christian and then there's a true Christian. People who are just Christians who aren't really true Christians, when, they, when this happens, they'll, they'll be deceived. But the true believers won't be deceived. You all with me so far? All right. And then he continues. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, this is after all this craziness has happened, more stuff is going to happen. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So again, we, Jesus is kind of, okay, it's going to get really bad. The, the, what people see from earth is basically not going to be there. It's, people will know, Christians, non-Christians, it doesn't matter. They're going to know something's going on. And then he, Jesus picks up again. Um, and th- this is crazy. No one knows about that day or, day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells one, of, and tells one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not, you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Okay, so Jesus has just given these disciples a peek into the end times. That, you know, a, a, I don't say laundry list, but basically this is what's going to happen. And then he gives them a warning. And that warning is you need to be watchful. You need to be ready for it. You can't wait. You can't, you know, sit there waiting and then falling asleep and then suddenly, oh, it's back. he's back, the master's back, and, you know, you're caught by surprise. Instead, you need to be watching, waiting, ready for this to happen. Now, what, what that means to us is we're, we're ever to be, we are to ever be watchful and ready for the end because the end could come at any time. And the way Jesus worded it is he's not suggesting that we watch. He's, he's impressing the fact upon his disciples that they need to be ready, beyond ready, beyond ready, you know, 100% ready for when this happens. 
And they need to constantly, this is an action. Watching, it, it takes action. We need to constantly be moving towards that end. Y'all still with me? All right. Now we're going to shift scriptures here. James 5, 7 through 8. You don't have to turn here. It says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Okay, so what this coupled with the other scripture, even though we're supposed to be watchful and ready, we also need to be patient for this. And by patient, I don't mean like a sluggish patient, like I'm just, you know, going to chill and be patient until someone shows up. This is not that type of patience. This is a type of patience that this isn't going to happen until the crop uh, until the crop's been gathered. And when the harvest is complete, when the crop's gathered, then the Lord will return. All right, now I want you guys to flip over to Acts chapter 20. This is this is going to be our kind of verse that we, uh, our anchor verse for today. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus. So, as a little pause here, we, we know what they're doing. We know Paul's not going to leave, because, or, or Paul's going to preach through midnight, because he wants to get the word out before he has to move on to the next town. And we hear about the lamps that, that lit this room. Now, if you think about lamps, they're really soothing. Um, really easy to fall asleep to if you're not paying attention. And then we, you know, the, it turns and talks about this man named Eutychus. And it says he was sinking into, a deep sleep, see, uh, sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Now, I don't know about you, but sitting on a windowsill and going to sleep, is not smart. Now, the thing, what you need to realize is these windowsills, it wasn't like our windows where, you know, you've got the windowsill here, and then you've got the window, and there's a little ledge for you to sit on. These windows, when the window was open, when this thing, this windowsill, it was out. There was no, nothing to stop you from falling if you were to go out this window. It was out and then ground. I mean, that's, that's how serious this was. And this guy is on this windowsill, Falling asleep. When he, when he was sound asleep, so now he's gone, he's out of it. He fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. That's a long drop. But it doesn't end there. Thank God it doesn't end there. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. Now, this is not Paul. This is the young man is going upstairs, breaking bread again and eating. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Now, here's where the sermon is going to get uncomfortable. Are we 
on that window edge. And what I mean by that are, are we are we falling asleep to the Spirit of God? I know that's a hard question. But not only that, are, are, we, are we close to falling asleep or have we fallen asleep? Or are we already out the window on the ground dead? This, this is something that, you, that I really want you guys to think about. Your spiritual life with Christ. How much you have dove into his spirit. Are you the one on the window falling asleep? Are you the one falling out the window about to get smacked? Killed, dead? Are you the one dead on the ground? Now, this this is something where right now we have to check religion at the door. We have to check everything we know at the door. This is not said lightly. But you really need to think, are you, are you at that cross accepting the Spirit? Are you diving into the Spirit? Now, to give, you, uh, to, to give you, if you're still unsure, I want you to listen to some things that Jesus said to the church in Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Okay, up until this part, you know, up until here, this, this sounds pretty uplifting. I mean, this is a church that, you know, from the sound of it thus far, sounds really good. They're a church that, you know, expels evil and has, has endured hardship, persevered for the name of Christ. But then we get a turn. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. I have no idea who they are. Which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So this church was doing good up until they forgot what they were doing all that good for. They walked away from their first love. Did they do it on purpose? Probably not. They just got so wrapped up in what they were doing, what they were trying to accomplish, that they forgot to go back to the cross. And right now, I want you guys to think, to think about your lives. Is, are you one of those people who perseveres for God, who does what he wants you to do, but you've walked away from the cross? And in Revelation 2, 8 through 11, to the angel of church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who was the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. 
I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. I don't know about you, but that's the one I want to fall under. That one who will be put in prison for their faith, suffer for their faith because of Jesus. But remain faithful even to the point where they could die for their faith. And Jesus says, I will give you the crown of life. That's the kind of spirit I want to jump into. So right now I ask you, which one are you? Or which one do you see yourself becoming? Which one do you want to become? Mark 12, verses 1 through 11. He then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At at harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others he killed. Others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill these tenants and give the vineyard to others. Okay, before I get to the main verse in this that I want to cover, another question here. How, how, how have we been treating the Word of God? How have we been treating the Gospel? How have we been treating, this, treating the Spirit? Are we, are we one of those people, are we one of the tenants who every time we, we, get, we hear something from God, we say, no, that can't be it. To throw that out. No, that can't be it. That can't be it. Just keep pushing it aside, pushing it aside. And then the next question is, when, uh, are we, even, you know, even though we, we've accepted salvation, are we pushing, literally pushing Christ away because we don't want to be involved in his spirit? Picking up, haven't you read this scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. You know, that, that, that brings another question. Have we rejected that capstone? Even though we look at it and say, this is magnificent, this is marvelous, I can't believe you did this for me, Christ, have we rejected it? Have we rejected the blood that he spilled for us? And when I say reject, I don't mean, I don't mean saying, God, I accept salvation, Jesus, I accept your salvation, 
but now I don't accept your salvation. What I'm saying is, have we been there and said, okay, Jesus, I accept your salvation, but that's it. I don't, I don't want to do all this extra stuff. I don't want to be... I don't want to be in your spirit. I don't want to be learning from you. I, I just, you know, I just want to have my, hey, my spot is guaranteed in heaven. You know, we, we, we need to go back to our first love. We need to go back to Christ. We need to go back to that cornerstone. And, you know, the, the question is, okay, how do we do that? We've got to fully submit to that cross. We've got to fully submit to Christ. A hundred percent. Have none of us be in us. Just be a vessel for God. Let him completely control us. Let his spirit overtake us. Let him control our lives. We need to take one of those base jumps into the spirit of the living, moving, and powerful God. And, you know, watching those videos, you know, it's it's... You got to think the edge is pretty scary when you're sitting there, you know, looking on the edge. You've got you've got the, the basically the cliff of the world and you're you're walking up to the edge and you're looking down. And you're thinking, oh, God, should I do this? And God wants you to do it. But in your mind, you're like, OK, this is going to be really scary. I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to like run into a, a, a rock or something? Am I going to be pounded by somebody because of my faith? You know what? That doesn't matter. God hasn't called us to be, you know, Christians that never get hurt, Christians that never go through trials. When we go through trials, when we fully jump into a spirit, when we go through trials, you know what? We're being built up. Now, the best I can do is show you right, right now. I want to show you what that what, what that kind of jump looks like with this next video. And then I'm going to get into some more scripture and tell you what it looks like there. You could tell he was a little hesitant at the beginning. But what an awesome ride that would have been. I mean, he you gotta think he's 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 got the wind flowing against him. He's 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 falling, literally falling out of the sky, but it's controlled. In that case it was controlled by a wingsuit. For us, our control, when we jump into the Spirit of God, our control is God. We're not gonna run into anything. Nothing's going to stop us. When we jump and take that ride, it's going to be amazing. I mean, the view he got, look, those trees, those mountains, you can't trade that for anything. For us, the view we're going to get is what God's going to do in us and through us. I don't know why you wouldn't want to take the jump. Jesus promises as John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, Streams of living water will flow from within him. So when we jump into the spirit of God fully. When we jump into that streams of living water will flow out of us into other people. And if you want to see what that looks like. Acts chapter two, verse one through eight. I'm I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, Well, I'm not going to read this whole sermon that Peter gives, but. Some some major points are uh, verses 1 through 8 and verses 17 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, violent wind from the video, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were where they were now where they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven were there. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are these are are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? You know, they're thinking, these people don't know these languages. And they're speaking to us who don't know their language then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Okay, we need, we, need, we need to really understand something here. When they got the Spirit of God, when they fully dove into that, a miracle happened. Now, it wasn't only that they spoke in tongues, but uh, a little bit further in Acts, it says that, that at this, after, after Peter gave his sermon, thousands came to Christ. Thousands. And this wasn't just one day. This was several days. People came to Christ. Still, thousands came to Christ. Because they dove into the Holy Spirit, other people got the Holy Spirit and then went to their cities and preached the gospel. Do you guys get what this? What can happen if we jump into the Spirit fully? And then, uh, again, picking up in Acts 2, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to be one of those people. I don't know about y'all, but I want to be one of those people. And the only way we can become one of those people is if we fully dive into the Spirit of God. Paul, Paul says it best. Um, in Acts chapter 20, verses, it's going to be verses 24, 27 through 28, and then 32. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with which he bought with his own blood. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which you can build up and give an inheritance among all who are sanctified. That's pretty powerful. I mean, Paul, the, the guy who we credit most of the New Testament with, it, it was never about what he was doing or what he was writing. Everything in his life was about Christ. Because he jumped into the Spirit of God. And when that happens, we won't hesitate to proclaim the whole will of God. We won't hesitate to shepherd the church of God. We won't hesitate to do these things God has called us to do. So now, now at the end here, we're left with a question. Or a few questions. First of all, how can we get that? 
You know, what's how do we jump into the spirit of God? How can we see that movement in our life again? How can we how can we have that life again? And Paul simply asks that and uh, simply answers that in Acts 20, verse 36. When he said this, when he, when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. The only way we're going to get that is through the power of prayer. And not just, you know, oh God, I want your spirit. Not that kind of prayer. I'm talking about the kind of prayer where you go to that cross right there and you kneel at it. You kneel at the feet of Jesus, you hand everything in your life over to him, and you cry out to him for that awakening in your spirit. We have to go to the cross. Now, at this point, I know I, I, I usually finish with a prayer, but not today. Today, this altar here is open for you to come to the cross. We're going to, uh, me and Pastor Rob will be up here. If you need prayer, we're going to pray for you. I don't want anyone to walk out here missing this. Um, Ashton, come, go ahead and come up. We're going to enter a time of worship now. But as we're in this time of worship, I want you to be in an in, 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 in attitude of prayer and worship. And let God do what he wants to do. I know some of you are fighting it right now saying, oh, you know, this is crazy. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, 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 you know, what is all this in front of me? And it's real simple. God just wants you to get up and come to the altar and jump into his spirit. So guys, go ahead and enter into that prayer. And Ashton will start the worship. And if you need to come, come. If you need to kneel at the altar, please do. Just let God do what he wants to do.
Satisfied. 